Hey listeners, do I have an event for you? Billings American Legion is putting on their annual Hall of Fame dinner April 9th at the Doubletree Hotel. Join us for a night of fun honoring current and past Legion ballplayers. All proceeds go right back to the program. More information to follow, but you want to be sure to mark this date. This year's Hall of Fame class is truly amazing. You can follow their stories here on our podcast and then meet them in person at the Hall of Fame dinner. They are an inspiration to all. Thank you and for your support. Hello, welcome to Wide Left Sports. Today I am joined by American Legion Hall of Fame inductee, Randy Walter. How are you doing today, Randy? I am doing great. Man, I'm just uh, excited to be on the show with you today. Yeah, it'll be, it's great to have you on. You know, I mean, I've known you since my little brother was what, 10, nine years old. So yeah, we, I, yeah, I remember coaching your little brother in fall ball and stuff. So it was, it was a good time. Yeah, for sure. So what does it mean to you to be an inductee to the Billings American Legion Hall of Fame? You know, it's, uh, it's quite the honor to be inducted um, just based on the fact that the, uh, the American Legion program, you know, post four is, has such a rich history of tradition of, of great players, great coaches. Um, and just to know that I'm part of that, you know, it makes me feel good. It's quite the honor to be inducted. For sure. And I mean, this is kind of a cool distinction with COVID you're the first three time inductee. <laughs> Right. I was, I was talking to my wife about that the other day. I told her, I said, geez, I said, I didn't know I could get inducted three times because I was, I was prepared for this about three years ago. And then now it's finally coming to pass. So it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it is what it is. We persevered through it, but I, I think we're, we're in a good spot. So. No, I know. It's just funny that, you know, I mean, they've just kept going with you guys. It's like, all right, cool. <laughs> I know it's 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 funny because we were we were down at uh, well I can still call it Cobb Field but at Dealer Park um, I was down there with my two boys and I I walked by where they put the plaques and I saw my name up there and I was like oh wow I didn't even know it was there <laughs> <laughs> so they're already ahead of the game yeah yeah they should put like 2019 through 2022 yeah. as long as they don't put an asterisk beside it I'll be okay. <laughs> Hey, there's no need for an asterisk, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. So you had quite the career with the Royals. You actually played all four years with the Royals. That's pretty rare. What was it like to be on the team for four years? It was fun. It was nerve-wracking coming from a small school. Um, you know, I wasn't I was I didn't go to school in Billings. I went to school out in Huntley, which is a small class. Well, I I shouldn't say small, but it was a class B school. So mm -hmm. um I honestly didn't know what I was getting into. Um, funny story on that, Mitch, is um, when I was 16, um, you know, we didn't have anything out there after that. So my only option was to go try out for the Royals or the Blue Jays. And I was so scared. I remember talking to my mom about it. I was so scared. And I was honestly, and I think only a couple people probably know this story is I and my mom knows it very well because she was in the middle of it. And I was this close to not going and trying out. I wow. was so scared. I was 16. I was so naive coming from a small school. 
And my mom literally drug me out to the car and said, get your butt in the car. We're going out for those tryouts. You know, and then when we got there, you know, there was a hundred kids trying out. I didn't know anybody. So, but um, I just thank her for, you know, not necessarily pushing me to go try out, but just getting past that, you know, that intimidation factor from coming from a class B school to go try out with all the double A kids. For sure. And that had to be kind of hard to commute to practices and stuff. Yeah, it, well, it was. And another funny story on that. So we had a, our high school principal out in Huntley is uh, Mr. Roberts, Laris Roberts. He's a, still a good friend of mine. He actually let me out of seventh period 15 minutes early so I could make it to practice on time. <laughs> so um, I, I always, I, I still think about stuff like that. Just you know, all the little things that everybody did for me just to, so I could get there on time, you know, because heaven forbid, if you were late for Gary Algren's practice, you had to run about two miles. Right. If you were late for practice or couldn't get a butt down, you had to run. <laughs> <laughs> well, I he, know. He would laugh. Had... He would laugh if he heard me say that. <laughs> <laughs> I know when they had practice now, I think it's at 3.30 and even coming from senior, that's difficult. Oh yeah. So. Yeah. It's difficult. So it was about a 25 to 30 minute drive every day. So. For sure. Yeah. So then beyond Legion, which is, you had a great career in Legion, you went on to play at Wichita state. So what was your recruitment process like to get there? Because a lot of kids from Billings don't go one out of state, but two to such a good school. Yeah, it was the recruiting process for me. I mean, obviously, it's so different nowadays because, you know, the recruiting process is all digital and all video, but we didn't have it back then. But I just know that, like, my recruiting process started kind of my junior year. I, I had a really, really, really good junior year for the Royals. So that's kind of when, um, you know, people kind of noticed me playing. Um so then schools started calling. I remember getting letters. They'd send letters to the schools and letters to my house. But my biggest, you know, my dream that I always had playing for the, for the Royals or going to play at a D1 school, I always wanted to play at Arizona State. It was, yeah. it was kind of my big dream. And Arizona State was so awesome back then. I mean, they had Barry Bonds came through there and all these good players. And I remember getting a letter from them. They were one of the first schools that sent me a letter. And, uh, I was really excited about it. And I was actually getting set to go on a recruiting trip there. And then Pat Murphy was the coach down there. And he, we, I got the letter and it said I was coming in with like 20 other recruits. Oh, wow. And I was like, uh, you know, and again, it's just like coming from a small time school, small state, you know, Montana is not necessarily a base. It's, I'd say it's more of a baseball state now than it was back then, but it was like, you know, going there with 20 recruits, it's like, how do you even stick out? Like, what's the process? So I didn't even go to Arizona State. So then, you know, that kind of eliminated that. So then all, all the other letters started rolling in. Um, I got letters from uh, Oregon State, um, the wow. Beavers, you know, Pat Casey was the coach up there. And it's so funny because I went on a recruiting trip to Oregon State and they were terrible. They got beat by Arizona State on my recruiting trip, I think. And it was snowing. They got beat, they got beat like 18 to four, you know, and, and it was like Pat Casey's second year coaching there. And it's, it's just kind of crazy. Um, you know, if, if I would have went there, you know, they went to the college world series, it would have been my junior year. 
Right. You know, and then he ends up winning like three or four national championships. But it just goes to show you, you know, I mean, he built that program from the ground. And I mean, it's still a, a legit D1 program. Um, yeah, it's still really good. Yeah. And then, you know, kind of the kicker I had, I went on a recruiting trip there. I went to Washington State. Um, and then I had a recruiting trip scheduled to go to Nebraska, but I never went to that because um, Wichita State called. And the way I got hooked up with them, um, there was a gentleman here in town. Um, actually, <laughs> uh, he was the groundskeeper for the Royals. Oh, wow. Right. And he was actually one of Gene Stevenson's best friends. Wow. And he was from Oklahoma. Um, and actually, um, I wish I knew his, uh, his, his grandson's name. His grandson actually plays for the Scarlets right now. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, so he got a hold of Gene, and Gene actually flew up here um, to see me. Like, you know, and Gene Stevenson is the, first, the, the second or the first or second winning as coach in D1 baseball history. I, I think he's up there right now. I haven't looked in a while. But anyway, he actually personally flew up here, uh, met him at the, at the airport, picked him up, and we were, he came to a, a day night doubleheader. We were playing. I believe it was Helena or Bozeman. And I did good. I pitched, I pitched the very first game. I think I went like seven innings and then I hit a home run in the second game. Wow. Um, you know, so it worked out well. And then the next day, me and him actually drove to Miles City to watch another recruit there. Um, and that, um, we went and watched Brian Ersted in Miles City. And that's oh, Darren Ersted's nice. brother. Yeah, you know, Darren Erstead was an MVP World Series guy for the Angels and stuff. So we went and saw Brian up there, and Brian ended up being my roommate all the way through college. Um, still <laughs> one of my best friends, talked to him all the time, so it, it turned out pretty good. So anyway, um, he came up here. So then I went down there on my on my recruiting trip, and it was they were right in the process um, of finishing up X Stadium, um, Tyler Field at Wichita State, and the facilities. I mean, it was just, you know, coming from a small town, seeing that facility, I think it was like a seven or $8 million facility that they had raised money for. And they've even added on to it now. It's crazy. Um, and just seeing that, seeing the facility, seeing the way that Gene, you know, the way he approached things, it was just, it was just kind of a fit for me because he, Gene Stevenson's model from the beginning was he didn't necessarily recruit baseball players that were you know, at the top of the, of everybody's recruiting class, but he, his process was get athletes and you mold them and teach them into being a baseball player. And it was kind of a fit for me because I was really pretty raw still playing baseball. I had a lot to learn. So mm -hmm. it worked out for me. I was there for three years, um, had a great time. You know, you look back on it now and it's like, you know, where's the time go, but it was a fun time when we were there. So we had a, we had, we had some pretty good teams, pretty good competitive teams when we were there. So. Oh, that's awesome. So have you been able to go back to Wichita and catch yeah, games was, or anything? I've been, I've been there a couple of times. Haven't been there obviously with COVID and stuff. The last time I was there was probably five years ago. Um, we did a walkthrough on the new facilities and their new indoor practice facility. It was just, I mean, you can play a full game in their indoor practice facility. It's crazy. Wow, that's awesome. So, yeah. That's really cool. So then after college, you had an even more rare opportunity. You got to go and play pro ball. Yeah. 
So what was that whole experience like? I mean, you made it all the way up to AAA. Yeah, it was kind of a crazy thing. I mean, obviously that's your goal. I mean, if, if that was the goal all along is to try to get into pro ball and you know, the, the, the process of getting drafted as a junior, you know, back then is obviously you had more leverage, mm-hmm. you know, cause you can either sign or you can, you can go back for your senior year. But um, I got drafted in the top 10 rounds. Um, and it was kind of where I thought I would fall. Um, the Giants took me. Um, and I just, and it was, it was a really, really hard decision because we had a really, really good team coming back for my senior year. Um, and it was hard leaving all my friends down there, but in the long run, it was the best decision for me personally. And, you know, I ended up signing with them and I think I had, you know, I, I played, I was in their organization for six years. So mm-hmm. it was a pretty good run. that's awesome that's for sure awesome so what would you say is your best memory from each level you know Royals then at Wichita State and then in your pro ball days oh boy that's a hard question Um, (laughs) I mean there's a lot of good memories I think I think for me you know I I would say playing for the Royals and I and I say this I mean I, I don't know how to explain this but I think my time with the Royals was probably the most fun I had playing baseball mm-hmm. because once you get into college and once you get to get into pro ball, it's like, you know, college, it's like, you're trying to get drafted. You're, you're, you're going to school, you know, you're there. I mean, baseball is like you're eating and sleeping baseball and then you get into pro ball and then it just turns into a job. But you know, when you're, when you're seven, 16, 17, 18, just the love for the game, you know, it just, it's there all the time, you know, but my, my, I don't know, my favorite memory, I, I remember specifically when I was a sophomore playing for the Royals, we were in Spokane and we were playing, we were, I think we were playing Spokane and I, and it was probably my second or third start in the outfield. And I hit my first home run when I was 16. Oh, wow. um, and I remember hitting it to left field and, and I remember running around third base and my coach Gary Algren looks at me and he had the biggest smile on his face. <laughs> and it was just those memories that you remember of just, you know, all the hard work that you put in to try to get there, you know, and it's just that, that memories for me in, in, in Legion ball price sticks out the most. Um, cut for, when I, you know, playing at Wichita state, you know, you don't really have an option of losing there. <laughs> right. You know, the fans demanded, Coach Stevenson demanded it. Um, there was so many good memories, you know, all the road trips to Hawaii. We went to California to play. But I would probably say playing in the Super Regionals was probably my, well, they actually didn't have the Super Regionals. They had the Regionals back then. Um, my junior year, we got to host a Regional at Wichita State. and It was just so awesome playing. Oh, that's cool. thousand fans even though we lost to Oral Roberts and I dropped the fly ball in right field, which sucked, but <laughs> it was still fun. <laughs> I just think playing, playing there in the atmosphere was awesome, you know, and then you get to pro ball and then it, you know, it, it slowly turns into a job for you and your, your goal is still to try to get to the big leagues, but spring training was awesome. Hanging around with all the big league guys, spring training, seeing them hit, seeing Barry Bonds hit was probably one of the coolest oh, things. Oh, I bet. You know, seeing Willie Mays and spring training was awesome. Um, just the friendship that you build. But, you know, pro ball, I mean, I was on the East Coast, West Coast, East Coast, West Coast, back and forth, you know, every, all, every year that I played. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and there's a lot of good memories, but I would just say just the friendships that you get from pro ball. Um, unfortunately, I didn't end up making it, but, you know, I gave it my best shot and, 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 and things turned out for the best. For sure. So one thing about minor league baseball that I love is just the atmosphere of the stadiums. <laughs> so what is the best atmosphere that you played in? Oh boy. In all, in all six years. <laughs> that's a tough question. Let me think about that one. Um, it, Cause it's, it's, it's funny because some of the stadiums, like, especially like the low A and high A teams, some of the uh, things that went on there, you know, as far as like the, um, some of them had races in the outfield, right. You know, so, some of the productions that they put on, but I, I think probably atmosphere wise, I would probably say Akron, Ohio, the Indians double A team was a huge stadium, almost felt like a big league stadium, um, oh. ton of fans. It was in their downtown area, cool atmosphere. Um, I would probably say that and, and Lexington, Lexington, Kentucky was another place like that. Oh, just fans were packed at every game. It didn't matter if it was a Monday game, Tuesday game, or Wednesday game. I mean, it was just packed all the time. Um, you know, so I'll give you well, I don't even want to tell you some of my worst ones. <laughs> oh, come on, give us one. Oh, <laughs> uh, Bakersfield, California, hands down the worst. Yeah. Sun delay. Game time was seven o'clock. We had a sun delay at 804. The sun would set right over the batter's eye in center field. We had, to, oh. we had to delay the game at least 15 minutes so the sun could go down so you could see. Oh, that is awful. But I think I think Bakersfield actually, I think they have a new stadium. Okay. Yeah. That is terrible. Why would they yeah. do it like that? I have no idea. And I remember, I think what made it worse for me in Bakersfield is we were there for a, a weekend series and I dove for a ball in the outfield and I dislocated my pinky. Oh. I, I hit my pinky on a sprinkler head and it was I remember getting up and it was pointing all the way to the right oh. and I, I put it back in and actually my pinky became infected. Wow. Um, and I remember the worst feeling ever in the world, having one of your fingers infected, I had to go to the hospital and that I had to literally sleep with it in some ice so it wouldn't burn so bad. <laughs> wow. I think that made it worse. Wow. That is crazy. So the game of baseball is often a game that you can carry the lessons all the way through your life. So what are some lessons that you've learned from the game of baseball that you've carried on into your life now? You know, that's such a good point, Mitch. I always tell um, even my little guys that I coach baseball is the closest thing that you can compare life to. <laughs> and what I mean by that is, you know, there's so many ups and downs and there's so many failures in baseball. I mean, if you think about it, right. Mm -hmm. I mean, what's the only sport that you can get into the hall of fame that you fail more than you succeed. Baseball. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if you fail, if you fail seven out of 10 at bats, you're still going to be in the hall of fame. You're hitting yeah. 300. Right. So that's one of the biggest things that I had to learn is I had to learn to deal with failure, you know, big time. Um, and one of the things that it does for you, it, it makes you stay on an even keel, you know, don't get up, don't get too high. Don't get too low. 
um, mm-hmm. keeping their emotions intact. And I was always an emotional player. Um, I wore my emotions on my sleeve. I still do to this day. If you ask my wife, I'm very, <laughs> I am, I, I'm, <laughs> and I, I know she makes fun of me a lot, but it's one of the things that drives me. Um, I am emotional. Um, I care about things. Um, but it is who I am. I mean, I have to deal with it on some aspects, but it helped me. Baseball helped me deal with that. Um, just keeping an even keel. Don't get too mad. Don't get too angry. Don't get too excited. Um, and that's, that's really what I try to teach all my younger guys right now. It's like, you know, and it's hard to teach 10 year olds that not to get emotional, you know, but again, you don't want to take that away from them because if they're emotional about it and they care about it, you know, that means they care, you know, um, but it's, it's a very hard thing to do. And that's one of the things that baseball teaches you. I mean, you got to deal with failures. You're going to deal with failures your whole life. I mean, I don't care who you are. I mean, we just went through one of the biggest debacles with this COVID thing ever. You know, mm-hmm. how, do we, how do we keep a positive attitude about that when people are dying? You know what I mean? Right. And it's just, you just, you have to learn to deal with failures. I think that's one of the biggest things it's taught me. And okay. I am emotional. <laughs> I get emotional about stuff all the time. So. Hey, you know what? That's all right. That just means you care, right? Yep. Yep. All right. Awesome. So you had mentioned your kids and the little kids you coach and you had the opportunity to coach your son in all stars this last summer. How cool was that? It was cool. It was probably one of the coolest things I've ever done. Hands down. Um, I got to coach my oldest son too, Jackson, um, in 11, 12, well, 11 and 11, 12s. And well, since he was 10 to nine, 10, um, this last year was fun because I was actually the head coach of the all-star team. Um, and it was fun coaching him um, just because, you know, you know what they're going through because you've been in their shoes. Um, mm-hmm. You know the failures they're going to deal with. And just, you know, just helping them get through that is one of the biggest, you know, pleasures that I got out of coaching him. Um, not, not his successes on the field or his failures on the field or if he makes an error. It's just seeing him his love for the game and seeing that he gets better every single day. And, and my youngest is just like me. I mean, he just, he's so emotional and he gets so mad, you know, and that's one of the things that I've had to deal with him on and, and teach him some stuff. And just, I said, buddy, just keep an even keel. Um, but it was fun. Um, we had a great group of kids um, went up to Missoula. We won the state tournament up there. Um, all the kids played good. And um, you know, and I, and I hope all the parents, you know, didn't get too mad at me, but I am an emotional coach when it comes to that too. I demand a lot out of the kids, but I, in the end, I think it's better for them when they're held accountable for the things that they do. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So how cool is it to have your two sons playing the sport that you loved growing up too? I mean, just that has to be surreal. It is. It's, it's fun because it's, it's fun how things come around, you know, you, one day you're playing little league and then you're in Legion, then you're in college, then you're in pro ball. And then you get to live it all over again with your kids. Um, But one of the things that's, that I, that's really, really cool with my boys. And and this is what I tell all my, all my nine, 10 year olds, my the, the teams that I've coached, you know, as parents coaching, at a 9, 10 level, 11, 12, even 14, 16, all the way up to high school. You don't necessarily want 
to push the kids to where they don't love the game anymore, where they lose their right. love for the game. You know, you can provide all kinds of assistance for them. You can provide instruction for them. But at some point, the kids themselves have to make the decision, you know, that they, they personally want to be good at something. I don't care if it's baseball. I don't care if it's football. I don't care if it's business. It's just life in general. And right. as soon as the kids understand that, that they personally have to make the decision to say, hey, you know what? Um, my dad can help me. He can help me with my hitting. He can help me with my throwing. But ultimately, the decision to be good at something will come back on the kids. It's got to mm -hmm. be their decision to be good. And I think my two boys understand that. My oldest understands it really well. Um, Jace, my youngest, is kind of getting to that stage where he's like, you know what? Everybody else is out here doing the same thing I am, but how do I get better at this? And he's got to personally make that decision, which has been, mm -hmm. it's been really fun to see that in those two. Oh, that's awesome for sure. So every coach kind of has their ism, I guess is what I'm going to call it. That's like their thing that just sticks in their players' minds. Yeah. So did you have any that from your growing up in baseball that stuck with you? And then with your coaching, do you have any that hope, stick with the kids of your coaching <laughs> well coach auger and, and he's going to be up here for the hall of fame dinner um one of the best coaches i've ever had he didn't really have any isms he would just demand a lot out of you um you know and he was a fiery coach he demanded a ton out of him um but his his go-to was <laughs> i hope he doesn't watch this but he would be a pacer you know what i mean if you, did, if you made an error or made a bad throw, he would pace up and down the dugout. And, and when you came back in the dugout and if he was pacing, you didn't want to go near him. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't want to go near him. But it was funny. It's, it's funny because Gary was probably more like Gene, my college coach. And, um, so it, it kind of prepared me a little bit for him. Because Gene was, Gene, I mean, Gene could make you run through a brick wall. You know what I mean? I mean, he was such a motivator when, when we played, I mean, he just, he knew how to get the best out of you, but Gene, Gene did have a saying. Um, and I still use it to this day with my kids in little league, you know, if he, he was always big on, um, you know, playing fearless, not being afraid. I don't, I didn't, he didn't care if you were a freshman or a senior, you know, it was his thing. Like he played fearless and, you know, everybody puts their pants on the same way. I mean, and what's going to make you better? And he used to have this saying, you know, if you were scared, he'd look at you and he'd go, are you a scared little bunny puppy hiding under the bench? <laughs> and if he said that, you're like, oh my gosh, what did I do? You know, you didn't <laughs> want him saying that to you because, but he would just say it to you and it would just, it would just make you so mad and so angry. And you'd be like, why is he saying this to me? I didn't do anything, but he would just do it to motivate you, you know, to try to get the best out of you. But I still say it to my kids these days, you know, oh, a scared little bunny puppy hiding under the bench. And then he would do this thing. We would, you know, right before the game started, um, we would gather as a team and then, then all the players would run out, the starting nine would run out and he would meet with the coach at home plate. And he would come back and he'd look at all of us and he'd go, I crushed him. I crushed him. 
But for those of you who don't know, Gene Stevenson has the biggest hands that you've ever seen in your life. And anytime you shook his hand, he would just grab your hand and he would just crush you no matter what. Oh and he God. would come back, he'd come back in the huddle and go, yep, I got him. I got him. I crushed him. You know, and it would just motivate us. And that's some of the stuff that I remember. Pro Bowl had so many different coaches. I can't remember all of them. <laughs> yeah, you went to quite a few levels, so that's understandable. <laughs> Lee Smith was probably the funniest guy we had. Lee Smith was our pitching coach for a couple in spring training and a couple um, seasons. He was kind of a roving pitching instructor, but Lee Smith was the funniest dude I've ever met in my life. Oh, man. And actually, I'll take that back. Lee Smith had bigger hands than Gene did. Lee Smith, when he held a baseball, it looked like a golf ball. It was nuts. He had the biggest oh players. I guess that's why he threw so hard. <laughs> and he I was guess 16. So. <laughs> yeah. So. so you've mentioned that you have had the opportunity to have spring training with Barry Bonds and Willie Mays. Yeah. Two of the absolute legends in the game of baseball. What was it like to be that close to those two? Well, it's funny because Willie Mays is Barry, Bond, Barry Bonds' godfather. Right. I don't know if you knew that or not, but, um, you know, it was cool being there, just seeing him. Um, I actually got Willie Mays' autograph. I remember everybody, everybody was telling me not to get it, and I was just, I didn't care. I went up to him, and he, he signed it for me. I didn't care. Um, but it was cool. It was really cool seeing the approach that, you know, Barry kind of had his own entourage. He kind of had his own trainers and stuff. But just watching him hit, I mean, it was just – I don't know. It was, it was hard to explain unless you saw it in person. He's, he's to me, he's the greatest hitter that I've ever seen. Hands oh, down. Probably. Yeah. Hands down. Yeah. But it was For cool. Sure. There, was a, there was a ton of big league guys there, you know, and just seeing them, but it was cool how they went around. They went about their business in a very professional manner. Um, you know, they, they did what they had. They, you know, they went through their routines and just learning from them. You just kind of do your own thing and kind of see what they do. So that's awesome. Yeah, for sure. So every person, every ball player has someone that they looked up to or idolized. You know, I'm a big Mariners fan. So for me, that's King Felix, Ichiro, and probably a little bit of Griffey's a little bit before my time. But, you yeah. know, who was yours? Ken Griffey Jr., hands down. Yeah. Not even. He, I just, I mean, I wore 24. I mean, I, I mean, I couldn't get 24 in college because uh, Brent Kimnitz, our pitching coach, had it. But. Um, I wore 24 all the way through high school, wore it in football. Just, I just love the way he played. I mean, I, I, one of my big bucket lists is to try to get to meet him, but I never did. Um, I do have his upper deck rookie card though. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So he was, he was one of the guys that, um, you know, just the way he played, he just played hard and just the smoothest left-handed swing. Um, Oh, I, I know. Definitely probably say him. His swing is just, yeah. I mean, I think they've said it's one you do not want to teach kids because it's no. just so mechanically wrong. Yeah. But it's one of the best swings ever. It's just, it's a work of art is what it is. <laughs> yeah. I, and he hits them ridiculously far and yeah. it's just great yeah. Yeah. for sure. So, you know, my last question here is what are you looking forward to most about the hall of fame dinner? You know, one of the things I was talking to my wife about that, and if you want the honest truth, I I was really not looking forward to it at all. I remember that from I, my mom. I, I, 
I'm not like a big accolade guy. I just, I just, I don't know. I mean, and I should embrace it more, but I think just having coach Algren there will be, will mean a lot to me. Having my mom and dad there, my wife and having my boys, you know, see, you know, what's going to happen. Um, seeing your mom there will make my yeah. day too. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll be yeah, there too, I think. Yeah. And then just kind of reliving the memories of, of what you went through um but just i would just say you know having the, my family there i'm looking forward to that the most and then having coach Oliver in there as well so oh well, that'll be awesome and look forward to seeing you there and just everything yeah are you you're gonna be there right i believe so yep okay all right awesome all right well hey thanks so much for doing this randy it's been great to talk to you again and we'll catch up soon yeah thank you mitch you're awesome Keep up, keep up the good work, man. You're doing a great job. I appreciate you. Will do. All right. Talk to you later, Randy. Yeah. Yeah.